I'm Nathan. I'm Ryan. I'm Lisa. I'm Pam. I'm Liz. And I'm Leslie. Better Together Podcast, bringing educators together for real talk. Like peanut butter and jelly. Movies and popcorn. And banana and pancakes. We're all better together. So it's Friday of Digital Citizenship Week here. Woo! Woo woo! And um, we were just talking about how much we have enjoyed dressing up all week and how we should have themes every day for work. So um, we, you know, our, our kids this week have had themes like wear a hat for thinking um, about their media balance. And we've had, I don't know, all kinds of different things. PJs and... Dream about how you can be creative yeah. with technology. Yeah. Um, so lots of different ways that um, Spirits Week has been kind of intertwined with Digital Citizenship Week. And so we were just talking about how much better those two things have been together. So number one, it has really given like a, a point of for talking for our teachers because it's so obvious, you know, what's happening and there's something that Universal, the school, is really talking about. Um, and two, like everybody loves to wear stuff, jeans particularly, um, and pajamas. So, like, we worked a PJ day in. Thanks, yes. Like, you know, but, like, so I, how much better together? Theme days and digital citizenship. Or <laughs> theme days and any day <laughs> at work. True. Any way you can fit in a theme day. So much better together. Absolutely. Speaking of better together. Other things that are better together. Uh, break dancing <laughs> is now. Allowed. Oh yes. Yeah. So I'm assuming that now everything is better because you break dancing and PE. I don't know where does break dancing. Where do you show break up? dance? Like I, this no, memo about break a, dancing. It's not a unit in physical education. So I'm assuming it'd be an after school club. <clears throat> okay. So I didn't know break dancing wasn't allowed. So it, you know, it wasn't a real big aha for me. But it's super exciting to know that I can if I want to. <laughs> Yeah, but get the, do you guys remember the cardboard? You get the cardboard, like That's the right. boxes, and they bring oh, it yeah. down. Gotta get the, the huge spin. boom box. I would never get back yeah. up, but it would be great. They don't need a huge like, boom box down, down. They don't. They can just play they got on these crazy phone. speakers that just attach to phones, and oh. like, kids will be walking down the hall, and like, where is that coming from? And oh, it's wow. in their pocket, yeah. They got their phone on All, all their the kids shoulder. in high school have AirPods. I think yeah. every kid in my high school has Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that is. Those AirPods. hurt my ears. I don't know how people wear those. I've never tried that. Those are not better together for me. No. <laughs> AirPods and the new cell phone policy with having cell those that's not better together because oh. it's so hard to see when the uh, students have their cell phones out. Oh, oh look, of course, of course, Nathan, Nathan has, has them. them. <laughs> <laughs> He's cool like that. I gotta, I gotta keep up with the kids. Yeah. So since it's Digital Citizenship Week, we thought, what better to talk about, but. Digital, digital citizenship. citizenship and the importance of media balance yes. because yeah. as we know using technology is awesome and we all agree with it mm. but there does have to be a balance and it's better when you use technology and not te sometimes you don't have technology mm. um, so and I uh, this week a couple of us got to actually go down into DC and hear from some students about the use of their not uh, of technology in their lives um, the students from some of our local schools got to go, and it was really awesome to hear them speak in front of, at this congressional huh. briefing, and they gave us some questions, you know, ahead of time, so the kids got to look over them, but they weren't super prepared. But anyway, the very last question they asked was, what recommendation do you have for your schools? 
I think is really cool. And this is what one of them responded with. So I'm going to play it. I think that we should not just have all technology learning, like not all just hyperdocs, but I also think that we shouldn't just be in textbooks all day. So I think we really need to find a good balance between, you know, paper resources and technology. Thank you, Jessica. Mina? And I think that was just awesome hearing from her, hearing from students. A student who has been, um, in a one-to-one -one environment for the past three and a half years. So, and she loves using her computer. Um, but to say that, yeah, there needs to be a balance, and I think that's super important. And it's not just about using the tools, but sometimes they want hands-on paper pencil too. And I think that kind of, and I know this kind of gets off the topic of digital citizenship, but I think that gets to a lot of what our work is as ESPITs when teachers come to us and have a conversation mm -hmm. is a kind of, being intentional when you have that conversation about what are you using the tool for? What is the learning outcome? What are you trying to uh, achieve with this tool that you're thinking about using? Mm -hmm. and, and if it doesn't meet that expectation, then you shouldn't be using Pear Deck just to use Pear Deck or Padlet just to use Padlet because it's the cool thing and we purchased it. If it doesn't really meet what you're trying to do, then you know, your paper and pencil activity or some other activity you're doing is better than... I think that's always a shocker. People are always a bit shocked yeah. when you're like, I really think Post-its would be the good choice here. <laughs> yep. yeah. Yeah. No, and it's true. Like, but, you know, like, particularly when people lead with, well, just so you know, I did, I did this on yeah. paper. <laughs> As did I, yeah. if you'll notice. Like, like, you know, there are things that I choose to do on mm -hmm. paper, so yeah. I think we can model that, too, as ESPITs when we provide training. Um, we can be, like Nathan said, being intentional about the conversations. We can be intentional about what we do to facilitate facilitate mm -hmm. training. So, for example, like a post-it thing. Sometimes with, with um, you know, with not necessarily exit tickets, but when you do quick reflections, like, yes, it would be a great opportunity to model a digital tool. But because it's just a training, I don't need to track the data really closely like I would maybe with students. So I'm just going to have them teachers use a post-it so um, I think we could definitely model that so maybe even just being intentional about like every time you know you facilitate a training um, using one non-techie strategy just to emphasize that it doesn't have to always just be you know so I just found one mm -hmm. thing I was looking at so in Fairfax County we have this digital citizenship site and um, there's a media balance and well-being toolkit for teachers which is really nice and they have multiple points in which they go over um, and I just saw one related exactly to what you're saying. So, like, it's saying one of the points is use technology in a goal-directed and purposeful manner. But what I love is the, the way that they kind of describe. So I'm going to read this, and we'll, let's talk a little bit about this, because I like the perspective. Using technology to avoid uncomfortable feelings, particularly boredom, can stifle creativity and impact our ability to find productive ways to manage like feelings that. and behaviors. Mm -hmm. So it's another way to look at the same idea. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I thought of is um, I never really thought about how using technology without this intentional purpose that matches like the outcome, how it could really stifle creativity. And I'm sure that's how kids feel. They're like, oh, we're doing this because we're being asked to do this. Like it, it's that um, feeling and I'm not sure kids necessarily articulate that. Like no. your student may not have been able to articulate something like that because that's pretty like deep. Yeah. But it's an interesting way no, to think about it. That is interesting. I never thought about that either. Yeah. 
Hmm. And we're asking, and I love the the second part, which is particularly if we're talking about balance. If we're just using technology to avoid boredom or to mm-hmm. avoid, um, like, because we just want them to be all excited it's and engaged, like, like tool. you know, then then we do end up like with kids that don't know how to manage, mm-hmm. like, boredom. I mean, my my own personal kids on a regular basis, and I don't know if this is like a product of their life, like, or if it's just their age, but like, and. I'm bored. Like, what do I do next? Uh-huh. I'm like, next oh, yeah. you just think mm-hmm. for a minute about what you want to do. Like, I don't know. Like, I can't, like, plan out your entire day. Friend. But, it, you know, so it's just an interesting, like... Well, I think to go back to this, too, a lot of times we say we use technology because it engages our students. It engages our students. And it's mm-hmm. a, like, okay, how does it engage them? Why does it engage right. them? And I think sometimes it's not necessarily that it's like great it's great that it's engaging them but what are they doing with it and are they actually creating something with Mm -hmm. it and you know what I mean and and I'm not saying that that there's not a good yes of course sometimes it can just engage your students and make sure they're involved in their learning but then what are they going to do and what are they going to create what are they going to how are they going to use their that creativity to actually make something that is productive in the world I think you have to be active with your you know, use of technology, you know, making students engage by doing things actively as opposed to passive learning. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think if you do passive learning, that's where you're going to run into a lot of the problems with boredom, mm-hmm. anxiety, mm-hmm. things along those lines. Mm-hmm. So you, it kind of leads with Nate's, you know, intentional, you know, what's the intention of the tool? You need to have the how and the why to go with that. I think if you create a lesson that's balanced with technology and with non-tech activities mm-hmm. that I think more than anything keeps the students engaged and promoting active work. Well, and I think on top of that too, I think as an educator, you also have to be forthcoming with your students and let them know, hey, we're using this tool. This is why we're using this tool and this is where this tool is going to help support you know, my learning target that we have up here or this portrait of a graduate skill or whatever so that the students understand too that I'm not just using this tool to complete some task but I'm doing it for something else as well as opposed to just and that while technology is great for like creating um, and collaborating and doing all kinds of really amazing things sometimes you have to step away from it to actually get inspired mm-hmm. like well I, I mean I continually hear Espits talking and, and probably teachers too like the the even just in a conversation they are most they get the best ideas or the best Mm -hmm. their best thinking is done like I think we've all reflected on doing this podcast and how even just the opportunity to just chat and talk about a topic is really inspirational so I could have read on my device like three articles and Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't have gotten as much out of it as I would have if I'd had that conversation Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think it's important to really design those opportunities to step away and get the creativity piece rolling because you can still use technology to like create and do mm-hmm. all the great things but um because sometimes I'll see people like I'll go to meetings and anymore it's like I you know you kind of like forced let's do this online we're all sitting at the table and we could yeah. have a conversation but they're mm-hmm. having us write it in a box on the thing mm-hmm. and like my level of like passion or like excitement about that is just like oh 
never mind. Now, for some kid, that's a great opportunity to get their voice in the room. So I also see, like, there's yeah, that balance. Yeah. There, you know, you need a voice, but, like, it also has to be balanced out with, like, perhaps there's a discussion after those elements mm-hmm. are there. And I've seen it where that's not happening. You know, where they're just a, there's just this, like, okay, and we've listed our ideas, and next we go on, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um it's such a detailed kind of look at the whole process to really think about where it fits in. I think we all, I mean, it, it's, we all know this. We all learn in different ways. Yeah. We all show our thinking in different right. ways. And so as long as there's that option, because some kids might learn better on their computer. Some kids will. might learn better if they literally have paper and pencil. And it's the same for us as teachers. Yeah. I mean, like we've said today, like sometimes you really do just want to write, write what you're doing or use paper and pencil, and that's okay. And I think having that option is again giving the kids like choice over how they mm-hmm. what do you think is the big tasks? deterrent for like if you think about the classrooms that you've seen or in your history as an estimate like what is the biggest deterrent to like having that amount of choice and the level of activity for students because it seems so simple oh everybody just do what works for them and then yet you see um a lot of times and i, I with good reason I, I i think it's happening mm-hmm. for a good reason but like people are struggling with um like just this open-ended forum for providing what works best for you i think time i think teachers and the struggle to find time and then i think they want to try to do all of it at once you know what i mean instead of just slowly here i'm going to give you a couple options and and see how that works and then okay the next time then i'll build in slowly build in more options for students over time but I, i think instead teachers Say, well, well, I have to create five different things all for the next unit that I'm doing. And cre- and so then they get overwhelmed, and then they're like, oh, forget it. I don't have enough time to do all that. Or I had, uh, I had uh, to half, half do some of it, and I couldn't put my best work forth for the students. So now it's not going to turn out, and it's going to fizzle. And so then they get discouraged, and so then they kind of turn back and say, I'm just going to do it the way that I've always done it. Well, and I think in leading in, or related to that point at the secondary level especially, it seems like um, a lot of that choice, it then kind of, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, like, it, it's harder for sometimes the teacher to, like, you talk about assessment and informal assessment and trying to gauge where your mm-hmm. students are and their grasp, how they're grasping a concept. You know, you've got half your students who might prefer to do it on paper, some, pa- some online, and I mean, I can think back to when I was teaching and I can relate to this of like, I, it was nice to have it in one, one place mm-hmm. because it was a really easy way for you to see it all yeah. nice and neatly in front of you. And you could, so it, it kind of like, like dilutes that a little bit and makes it a little bit harder. I, I think I would struggle, maybe oh, yeah. at, definitely mm-hmm. at first, I would struggle managing all of those choices <laughs> from the yeah. students of how of how they are choosing to it's interesting because it makes do. me think about like I've seen teachers that just look like they it's so well oiled like they've got this ability yeah. um, and I don't think I've asked deep enough questions to figure out like what it is that they're doing yeah um, that's making that like I, I know that they're offering it and I can right. see that but I it kind of makes me want to go back and yeah. really talk to people like how do you manage three different types of responses Mm -hmm. like what is your strategy because you know Mm -hmm. it is kind of elusive like I've been out of the classroom for quite some time and it's enough time that like Mm -hmm. I would be I would be challenging Mm -hmm. you know so 
I think too, especially at the elementary level, like thinking about giving students choice. A lot of times, students are not used to that, and they yeah. don't they've even always know what been to told. It. You know, they they want their teachers to tell them the information, or like their teachers always said, "This is what you're going to do next. This is what you're mm-hmm. going to do next." So it's almost like you have a choice, mm-hmm. and then it's like that's overwhelming for them. Yeah. So to start small, yeah. right? Like in this case, you have a choice. Yeah. If you're working on, let's say, a PBL, right, in the end, your final product can either be something that you draw digitally or something that you draw on paper. There's your choice, yeah. and then see how that goes, and then as they Because it's very years, unlikely, too, that elementary kids even really know what tool, what way it matches them best, and so yes. you're right. Like, particularly at the elementary, <laughs> where we're forming those mm-hmm. ideas, it's like you have to expose them. Maybe it's, it's like exposure to all different ways, mm-hmm. that way that they can... Um, and interestingly enough, it kind of leads back to what we talked about last time. But, like, if you expose them to all these different pieces or ways to respond and you don't give them time to reflect on it, mm-hmm. um, they're not going to make connections to this was the right way for me or right. here's how I right. was better and um, this is what I did. I, you know, that to me is that reflective piece shows up all the time. Right. So what happens when we know that it's important to keep a balance, we know that it's important, you know, to have some online, some not online kind of thing. What happens, though, when our students are online and they aren't making the best choices? How do we, like, help set that up? How do our teach? what are our teachers doing to set up, you know, successful environments? And then, of course, fix the pro- fix problems when they arise or address, not fix, because I don't think we can fix them all. Well, I think first you have to set up an environment that uh, will set expectations. You have to set up expectations, basic classroom management. (coughs) This is what I expect from you in my class. This is how we're going to communicate with each other. This is how we're going to engage with the computer or face-to-face or whatever. Um, And then I think it has to also be an environment where it's not going to be um, an all or nothing. So if they do something wrong, then all of a sudden, oh, well, we're taking this away and you're never going to use it again, but instead it's more of a, okay, hey, you've made this mistake. This is a great opportunity for us now to come together as a class, have a conversation around what just happened here, and then maybe follow that up individually with that student and say, hey, this is what you did. This is what could happen to you outside of a school setting Mm -hmm. and the repercussions. Mm -hmm. So hopefully they can make a a real-world connection to what they're doing as well. I think that's really important because we see, I think, so often in the news, celebrities or other people posting stuff or doing things, and then it comes back around and, mm-hmm. and bites them. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think school provides a great environment <clears throat> for students to have a safe place safe to learn, to yeah. learn and practice and yeah. make mistakes. From the elementary perspective, sure. on digital footprints. Which is what we're we're all talking about, but we've not said those words mm-hmm. yet. Sure. Um, last year we had a problem in fourth grade, and our assistant principal was there talking to the class. And so I, you know, I'm taking all this in. I'm going, you know what? We're not going to mess around with fourth grade. We're going to go to to the bottom. So I didn't talk to kindergarten about it, but I have started in first grade, and tell them that whatever they do, be it good or not good. <coughs> It's there forever. And it doesn't seem like that's a big deal, but it is because you make you make a picture or you talk to somebody. Like there was a little boy, in, uh, I think it was your guy from school, that was talking about his brother, six years old, talking on the... Um, he has a YouTube channel. Camera, yeah. On a YouTube channel, and he's six. 
Okay, well, aside from that, just the, the digital footprint thing, you can't erase it. And so it, it won't bother you right now when you're in first grade. But as you get older, that footprint gets larger, and you want to be very careful about what you put there because you put a picture, you, you post something, or you say something good or bad, and you can, even if you delete it, it's always there. So when you want to get a job, or you, you go to high school, you, you go to a trade school, you go to college, you finally you get your job, and somebody may not hire you because of something you did a long time ago. And that's happening in the real world. Yeah, that's true. And I think it's, it's I, I do think it's really important to, to like, because um, I've talked with my own children, but just generally, I think it's important to make sure what, that we talk to kids about that. And, and this is generally all digital citizenship, I think, but, and not in this alarmist way. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's really easy for us to be like, oh my gosh, these things could happen to you and this is terrible. Oh, um, and I want to be like, I want to, like, set kids up to know, like, look at what you get to build. Like, you get to, like, make a name for yourself. So, like, so I think it's it's the same idea with the tone of, like, how, and, you know, like, we we try to, like, teach kids and we're, we're trying to get them ready to be portraits of a grad, you know, to match up with our portrait of a graduate, that they need to be communicators and collaborators and all these things. Well, I think if we can kind of like take a positive spin on it, say, you know, what are you doing and how is it reflective mm-hmm. of um, that? And I, and that's why it's like, it's almost like there are going to be scenarios we have to deal with and there are going to be issues mm-hmm. we have to deal with. But if we're proactive, if we are, let's start making kids or not making kids, but having kids have the opportunity to use technology to show how they are all those things, oh, yes. um, then we're we're teaching them how technology can help them to create a you positive, know create this really positive, positive space yeah. for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of you know like I've I've heard often that um, you you have to crowd out bad habits. Like it's it's less about rem- removing bad habits. So okay, this is like a specific. So let's say. Um, you love like to have a candy bar every day, um, like the yes. the mentality yeah. of like uh-huh. taking away the candy bar. Like people will just eat more candy bars, um, mm-hmm. but if you say like you need to eat six apples before you have the candy bar, <laughs> um, you like you're supposed to crowd it out. Like you'll be so full from the six apples, you'll be like forget the candy bar. Uh-huh. That's so that's like I look at that in many ways. I don't always apply it because I'm tired. <laughs> I'm a, Barely, no sleep, whatever. But what I'm saying is, like, if we can start to kind of crowd out bad practices with, mm-hmm. like, really positive intention, mm-hmm. I think it really can create an environment um, where we are using even problematic situations or places where kids messed up. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not here to catch you doing bad things. And I think, you know what I mean? It's yeah. And it's a, it's a strange thing because the media presence out in the world is all about, like, how terrible everything is and how the you know every kid is gonna be a you know messed up by all the technology and yet it has so many positive like outcomes I think I feel a real pull to like pop to focus on how all of that can be supportive of you and doing that in a balanced way but I think at the secondary level modeling your own yeah, digital footprint is very important as a teacher and as a coach. Um, you know, I see it enough times online where yeah, I've seen other teachers interact inappropriately through conversations in terms of like tweeting and things along those lines. I think if you're 
going to have to, you know, if you're going to show that media balance, you have to model that own behavior yourself mm-hmm. in order to make sure that, you know, the kids appreciate what you do as a teacher. And, you know, if they see you do it, they often will model the, the same, same behaviors. As um, my young yeah. child said to me the other day, Mom, if you don't get off that phone, we're never going to get anywhere today. <laughs> <laughs> now, granted, I hadn't been on the phone very long, but... <laughs> But, like, out of the mouths of babies. Like, Uh you know, they're, you know, out of so. I've seen, uh, you know, being a high school teacher for a number of years, social media, especially with, you know, extracurricular activities and athletics, I've seen offers get pulled because students are posting inappropriate comments or posting things that don't show a positive digital footprint. I think, you know, they have to recognize that, especially as they get into the the higher levels. That you know what you post is very important in terms of how you present yourself, not only now but also down the road when you're in college or in the real world. And I think applica- applying that really, especially at the elementary level, where we don't really have students. I mean, I'm going to say this: we don't have students on social media. Hopefully, <laughs> um, I know they're there, but like again why it's so important for us right. to mimic those practices yes. in a safe and secure environment. So, like, right. that is what I can, you know, it's like, how can we, thinking about what kids are going to have access to and already have access to, um, provide them opportunities to know how <coughs> to, like, use the technology appropriately, but also be able to walk away from it. Like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. when it's not the right choice, when it's right. not when it doesn't feel good or when it's not helping you. You know, like I think these are like reflective thinking that has to happen for kids at all ages, at all ages, very young. I mean, I've had conversations with my young child about, I notice when you use your iPad for even 20 minutes, you sometimes are cranky. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you think that might be? Like, you know, just, but like that's a that's just a noticing like for, right. for her particular and, and maybe she'll just be someone who needs to constantly think about that. Like, it doesn't serve her very well or what mm-hmm. she's doing on that bed. And me as a parent, guiding that conversation about maybe I need to do something with her instead. You know, like, just it's all yeah. the different ways that we look at it. So. And I also, I, I think about uh, listening to everybody's conversation, and I kind of take myself back to when I was a kid or watching my children grow up. <clears throat> and I also think it's hard, too, because as they're, as they're becoming young adults and adults, they're trying to find out who they are. They're trying to find their identity. And we're also yeah. asking them to grow up earlier and know who they are so that when they're posting, <laughs> you know, that, that and, yeah. I mean, then that's hard. That's hard for that's a, no fun, a, yeah. a, a kid to do, to have the ability to think and reflect and know yeah. who they are as a human being right. as they're growing and, they're not. and doing all those changes <laughs> and, you know, and present themselves in a way, you know. So, I, I mean, I, it does get back to the more we can model expectations as parents and as teachers and then the more we can have conversations to remind them hey you know what it's okay you made this mistake but this is how you should behave in the future this is the way you should be interacting and and maybe just being really explicit about it i'm thinking like as a teacher like being very explicit about we're not today we're going to we're going to do this activity we're going to take a break from our screens. Mm-hmm. We need to really do, you know what I mean? Or today we really need to focus here because I need you to do this on your computer because X, Y, Z. Like right. I just, I think it, it comes back to naming and noticing, but like naming it always, particularly for kids. Like they just, 
they don't always make the connections and probably even into middle and high and yeah. beyond. I don't know. Um, but I think that's an, an important kind of thought as well. Okay. So digital wow. citizenship, media balance, technology, it's all better together. Yep. And better when you're wearing jeans or some sort of mm. like spear wear. Spear wear hat to remind you always. If only we could do that every day.